Hey, Sarah, what are you doing right after the show today? I don't know. I was thinking about maybe clipping my toenails or something. You got a better offer? I hope. We've got outtakes from today's episode. And if you've listened before, you may have noticed that we do these after each show, after the outro music. We include some of our mistakes, which are mostly Sarah's mistakes. Mm. Well, in today's episode, we had just a lot of those and uh, ends up being around 10 minutes or so of outtakes. Nice. We think they're great. We hope you do too. So if you're interested, stick around after the show. Welcome to No Comparison with your hosts, John and Sarah a show where we pit two completely different things against each other, and our guest judge chooses a winner. Hello, Sarah. How's it going? Hey, John. Good. How are you? I'm doing great. How is your life this week? Oh, it's just fabulous. You know, uh, same old same, but that's that's always a good thing. You have anything new going on? I do, as a matter of fact. I have... A theory that I hatched just this morning. Oh God. It's yeah, you're right to be concerned. It's a it's one of my stupider ones, and I've had some doozies. People always talk about the weather, at least in my travels now. I find myself doing it all the time. You know, mm-hmm. some kind of call, meeting new people, just killing time. Even infected my family conversations with it. Talking <laughs> about the weather. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I've become a person that does that and it, I think it's pretty dumb. And I was thinking about why we do that. And I think it's because everybody has it in common. Like everybody can empathize with it. Oh, okay. We're all experiencing the weather somewhere. And then secondly, it's also kind of neutral. You know, it's not like talking about religion or politics or something super Mm -hmm. sensitive. Mm -hmm. So we go to that because it's a good one, right? Sure. I was thinking we need to come up with something to replace the weather. Mm. I'm going to try it out on you. I think it's a winner. Okay. Okay, let's give it a try. But it might be really stupid. (laughs) I'm going to start asking people how their clothes feel. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And explain to me how you're going to do that in a non-creepy way. (laughs) Well, let's do it right now. Hey, Sarah, how are you? Good, John. How are you? I'm I'm great. How how do your clothes feel today? And then I slap you in the face. How's that's, that go? Okay, that's not, <laughs> that's not what I was going for. I, see, I can maybe start it. Maybe it's better if I start it. I got a T-shirt, you know, that feels it's nice. It's a little worn in. It's got mm-hmm. some breathing mm-hmm. room in it. I'm feeling pretty mm-hmm. good. My jeans, they're they're good. The right level of snugness, not too snug. Sure. A little bit scratchy, but that just lets me know I'm alive. That's good. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then just like the weather, I can you know, yesterday I was wearing shorts and a belt. And a short sleeve button down that felt nice and airy, mm-hmm. not to, you know, and then tomorrow mm-hmm. I'm planning on this. So you see where I'm going. It's not, I like it. I like it. Yeah. Because you know, the weather it's probably, it's gotten over politicized, right? Like if you're talking about the rain, someone jumps into acid rain and it becomes a whole thing. So now we're just talking acid wash jeans, right? Thank you. Great. I didn't even think about that benefit. See, boom. I get it. It, it was either that or what does it smell like where you are right now? <laughs> I uh, I actually I really like that one since we're you know a lot of us are doing these Zoom calls and things like that. But I feel like my answer would always be kind of like dogs because we have a lot of indoor <laughs> animals. <laughs> well, anyway, I'm trying it out. I'm going to start a lot of my conversations with strangers about how do they how do their clothes feel today. I cannot wait to hear how this goes. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'll let, I'll report back, but maybe I could start something new. 
Are and you going to ask our uh, guest judge today these questions? You can try it out on them or? Well, that's an awesome segue. You're such a professional. Thank you. Yeah, we've got a, a great guest today, guest judge, uh, Chapin. Hey, Chapin. Hey, John. What does it smell? What do your clothes smell like today? Oh, God. It's just as awkward as we thought. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Let's try that again. Hey, Chapin. Hey, John. How's the weather? Damn it. Mm. That's not. Mm. Swing and a miss. The weather's a little snug. <laughs> <laughs> a little snug, huh? Well, uh, thanks for humoring us, Chapin, and being here today. It's my pleasure and honor. Thank you for having me. And hello, Sarah. Hello, Chapin. It's so nice to meet you. I uh, I have a good like feeling about you as a judge. <laughs> well, uh, it's a little early for the butter up job, but I'm I'm in. <laughs> Whatever it takes. <laughs> I would describe Chapin as a true Renaissance man. He has got talents and experiences across a bunch of different really cool things. We could talk about that for the next hour. Mm. Uh, among them, he's a musician. Oh. So I don't want to make you uncomfortable, Chapin, but he is a excellent mandolin player and plays in a local band called the Fried Turkeys. Uh, yeah, they are uh, very accepting people. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of music is it? Uh, sort of hippie country music. Um, the songwriter in the band is a guy named Frank Douglas, and he's been doing it a long time. And he writes kind of regionally relevant human story kind of songs they are really kind of clever and it's a hoot They're, they uh, again are uh, trusting to allow me to join the mix and it's been so much fun i can't tell you so much fun that's so modest i mean i think the band is known if not for anything else than your uh your wailing mandolin solos oh like the like the eddie van halen of the mandolin with the diving down on the stage crowd surfing mm -hmm. meanwhile just going to town on a mandolin like nobody's yeah. business i think sam bush just threw up in his mouth <laughs> right now hopefully a bunch of listeners are going to google what most of this was about uh including hopefully the fried turkeys clips with chapin going to town on a mandolin and sam bush yeah man so thanks for being here we really appreciate you jumping into this silliness and acting as our guest judge it's my honor and pleasure i hope to uh to do it, do it proud. You will, <laughs> as long as you pick the right uh, winner. And I think we both know who that's going to be. And that person's initials are John Taylor. <laughs> we'll see. Rhymes, rhymes with failure. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> so uh, Chapin, first things first, we need to, we need to take a step back in time. Sarah, you want to explain what I mean by that? Recently, on an expedition, we discovered the random topic generator. We were out in the forest and stumbled upon it. And uh, the random topic generator or the RTG helps us choose our topics. It, uh, it basically assigns them from the heavens to us. And every week we step back in our time machine, our handy dandy podcast time machine to review what fate the RTG has dealt us. And this is what we have this week. Sarah, it's you, me, and the RTG. The final three. <laughs> <laughs> We're back with our spreadsheet that randomly selects the topics for our next show. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really torn. Like, is the RTG our nemesis or is the RTG our greatest gift? It's, it's, it's very hard to tell. 
it depends on the result each week. Sometimes, it <laughs> sometimes it feels like it's our friend, and most of the time it feels like it's out to get us. It's like the universe; it's unfeeling. It's just, it's just doing. <laughs> it's, it's just doing what it does. Okay, so Sarah, you are up first. Let's. Oh no! Oh, I hate being first. When I click the button, what random topic you're gonna have to defend, advocate for? cheerlead for are you ready i guess movie trailers movie trailers and previews movie trailers and previews okay okay huh movie trailers or aka previews i think this is going to be an opportunity for you to use your many voices mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and your gift for the dramatic whatever do you mean (laughs) (laughs) oh nothing (laughs) don't look to me for any help with music tracks or anything i'm not gonna do that oh man okay this is a challenge but let's see what i'm up against because it it might all hope might not be lost (laughs) okay when i click this button we're gonna see what i got here we go three two one Sloths. Sloths. I actually think that's pretty cool. Okay. Yep. I'm wrapping my mind around it just like a sloth. The wraps Slowly. His, <laughs> his, his arms and legs. I guess they have arms and legs. I'll have to do some research. Oh yes, they have arms and legs. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if they're called different things. I don't know. No, so, no matter what the internet says, they have eight arms and legs. Okay. This is very important. <laughs> and, and I guess they're venomous. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Very fast. <laughs> I'm, I'd be willing to bet that the, the, the lowest item on the list of causes of death in the natural world is by uh-huh. sloth. I think it's at the bottom of the list. Everything else kills you with more frequency than, <laughs> than sloths do. That is sloth. Well, I think this is a pretty good matchup. I mean, these are two... I, I don't think anybody's thought of this before. <laughs> Let's just say that. Yeah, safe to say this is probably the first time sloths and movie trailers are going to square off. Looking forward to doing battle with you. You as well. Oh, this is going to be a weird one. Well, there you have it. Our fates thus decided. Sarah will be weighing in on behalf of movie trailers. That's right. Movie trailers. And I will be advocating on behalf of our friends, the Sloths. Classic matchup. I think the world's been waiting for this one. I I know I have, at least since last (laughs) week. (laughs) Chapin, what we're going to do is there's going to be a series of three events, a little bit like the triathlon, except a lot less athletic. (laughs) And those events are going to be called Life Without It, On the Stand, and Tattoo Parlor. (laughs) <laughs> we'll explain about each of those events as we get to them. But uh, what we'd ask you to do is first witness an overview of each of our topics that's timed. Mm-hmm. So Sarah will go first, generally describe movie trailers, then I'll follow doing the same for sloths. Then we'll get into the rest of the episode. Does that sound okay? Good way to start it off? It does. Any immediate questions? Any immediate regrets? Are you thinking, what did I, why did I sign up for this? Maybe I can have an internet difficulty right about now. Mm. None that I would share publicly. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. Well, 
Sarah, you are up first. You're going to have three minutes on the clock. Okay. To describe, make the general pitch for movie trailers. Are you ready? I'm born ready. Let's do this. Okay. Go. All right, Chapin. A movie trailer or a preview is a commercial ad for a film originally made for films, but now in the present day, they are made for things like video games, events, concerts, theater shows, all kinds of things. But no matter what they're made for, their overall goal is to motivate an audience to get them emotionally invested, to motivate them into going to or taking in whatever they are advertising. Uh, They can be played in theaters, on DVDs, as a YouTube pre-roll. They're everywhere. There are 10 billion videos watched online annually, and the third most popular video are movie trailers. So people are just watching them left and right. They love them. They can't get enough of them. It's incredible. Uh, They were invented in 1913. The very first movie trailer was shown by a marketing genius named Nils Granlund. And they were originally shown after a feature film, which is why they were called trailers, right? Because they trailed the movie. Hmm. And that worked for a little while. But in the 1960s, they decided, let's, you know, let's put them towards the beginning of the movie. Why not? And uh, the montage style of movie trailer became really popular. So that's where you take a couple of scenes and put them together to kind of give that preview of the story. And Stanley Kubrick actually uh, really trailblazed that with 2001 Space Odyssey and Dr. Strangelove and several others. So you've got some award-winning films leaning in to the trailer life. The maximum length of a trailer that is permitted is two minutes and 30 seconds. But if you want to, you can petition for exceptions. And some people did. Very famously, Alfred Hitchcock petitioned for an exception and did a six-minute trailer for the movie Psycho. He also did something a little different with his Sometimes a director will choose to shoot footage for a trailer that's not actually in the real movie. And that's what Hitchcock did with this. The six minutes was just a tour of the Bates Motel uh, just to get people creeped out and get them feeling the, the feel of the movie, which I think is really cool. A movie trailer can include a voiceover, music, text on the screen, all kinds of stuff to give you information about the film. And I think my favorite fact about trailers is that there are industry awards given for trailers called the Golden Trailer Awards. And the very first one was given in 1999, and the winner for that was The Matrix. And in 2019, the most recent winner was John Wick Chapter 3, that trailer for that movie. So I think the big takeaway here is that trailers love the internet's boyfriend, Keanu Reeves. He just, he makes great trailers. Uh, So that's trailers in a nutshell. I don't want to go too far over two minutes and 30 seconds in homage to my topic. Well, I'm sorry, I... I fell asleep for a minute there. I think parts of it must have been about trailers. I, I did hear something about coming in third place. And there was a bit near the end about Keanu Reeves. Hmm. Chapin, you were an apt listener because you're just such a polite fellow. What's your immediate uh, reaction to that overview? It was comprehensive. I feel like if I wasn't a Renaissance man before that treatment, I certainly am now. Uh, <laughs> to now uh, be in possession of the etymology of trailer, I, I always wondered about that. So that's a, that was an interesting takeaway. Uh, I especially like the uh, elegance of trying to make your trailer trailer two minutes and 30 seconds. So bonus points there. Thank you. Thank um, you. Yeah, really outstanding job. Excellent. Excellent. I'm feeling strong. I'm feeling like this is a good preview. Did I mention Chapin was uh, nice to a fault? <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you got, John? You're talking a big game here, but um, you're a little slow to cut on the uptake, you know, a little slow, kind of like a sloth. 
Okay. Are you ready to, to lay down the timer? All right, sir. Three minutes on the clock. Whenever you're ready. I'd like to share the basics about sloths and how they fit into our world. As you probably know, they're a mammal. They're related to anteaters and armadillos. They live in trees, also probably not a surprise, in South America, Central America. They're usually a couple feet long. Uh, they're covered in hair, and they weigh between 8 and 20 pounds. There are six different kinds of sloths or species in the world, and they're generally divided into two big groups. There's the two-toed sloths and the three-toed sloths. That distinction is made based on the number of toes they have on their front legs. These guys are descended from these giant ground sloths that used to cruise around, and they were massive, the size of a horse or an elephant, but they're extinct and have been, fortunately, since about 12,000 years ago. Anyway, modern sloths spend their lives hanging upside down in the jungle and are known for how slow they are. This slowness allows them to have a super slow metabolism, which conserves energy, and most importantly, helps them to hide from predators because the things that would eat them are looking for motion, and if you move super slow or not at all, you're much safer. Aside from being just slow, they're often just motionless. Like 90% of the time, they're not moving at all. They do come down from trees to do their business, to uh, do number two and number one, and politely bury it in the ground at the base of the tree. They're very exposed while they're on the ground because they're so easy to catch, so they make their way right back up the tree as fast as they can. On the other hand, they're very buoyant and excellent swimmers. So a sloth is a very good swimmer, and they often have to do that when the jungle gets flooded. So even though they generally live alone, they are surprisingly community-oriented. And what I mean by this is that there's whole ecosystems of little animals, algae, moths, other bugs that live on the sloth's fur. And some of those animals are only found on sloths. That's where they live. There's also communities of humans dedicated to sloths, represented by websites like Pop Sloth or Slothville, which claims to be the home of the Sloth Appreciation Society. So, in that spirit, I would invite you to let that information about sloths, like a sloth itself, slowly wrap its two or three-toed arms around you, cling to you, and then politely leave to take a dump and bury it elsewhere. That's my time. 25 seconds to spare. Not bad. Chapin, I, I mean, should we just call it a wrap right now? I mean, have you heard enough? Please. Uh, very uh, well done, John. You clearly have... Um at least stumbled across the Wikipedia entry for sloths, um, <laughs> sort of drifted towards an episode of Zabumafu, but I'm okay with that because, you know, we're getting to know animals. That's all right. I was expecting a few more of the turn-ons and turn-offs, hoping for them really. Uh, didn't get a lot of that. Got a whole lot about waste, mm. um, which unsurprising from you, but John, I think it was a, <laughs> at least a workmanlike treatment of the sloth. So <laughs> Well, I'd like to think I was laying the groundwork for some of those tidbits and um, fine qualities, shall we say, that'll come later in the show. So let's hope. Yeah, your forbearance is appreciated. Get ready. There's a lot more to come about sloths that's going to get you so fired up. It's a slow burn. <laughs> <laughs> you got a bunch of those in the joke holster, don't you? Just ready. Ready. To, <laughs> ready to go. <laughs> Good work. Well, Chapin, now that you've heard the overviews and you're fully invested, we got to make it official. And so we're going to swear you in as our judge. Are you ready to be sworn in? I am. Okay, get ready. Here we go. 
Repeat after me, please. I, Chapin. I, Chapin. Swear to judge today's topics fairly. Swear to judge today's topics fairly. I swear to hold myself to the highest of standards of judgeship. I swear to hold myself to the highest standards of judgeship. In the fine tradition of Judges Wapner, Reinhold, and Judy. In the fine tradition of Judges Wapner, Reinhold, and Judy. Fantastic. I, I loved the gravitas you brought to that. Really nice. God, I was just, I had my hand over my heart. I was just saluting <laughs> as that was going down. It was, it was. My family is right behind me. They're misty. Yeah. I'm glad they were here to share this moment with all of us. <laughs> Sometimes as a dad, you're really proud. And now it's, it's one of those times. It's one of those moments. It's such a beautiful thing to be able to see. Mm-hmm. Your kids will be talking to their kids one day and their grandkids. I remember that time that mm-hmm. uh, Grandpa Chapin engaged in that ridiculous nonsense on the computer for an hour. <laughs> I suppose when I uh, cross the Rainbow Bridge, it might be top of the fold, you know? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, with no segue whatsoever, we're going to step aside to get a quick word from our sponsors. First, thanks to Esfece, makers of the finest Italian jeans, who encourages you to remodel your lower body, otherwise known as your torso's basement. This year, redecorate that basement with a great-looking, great-feeling pair of Esfeches that will have your friends and family saying, hey, I love what you've done with the place. And just in time for summer, Esfece is now offering not only their classic jeans, but also jean shorts and new trend-setting bell-bottom Toreador pants that kiss the middle of your shins, but have that free-flowing, well-ventilated look. So buy Esfeches, and you'll be sporting the jeans known worldwide for quality and class right on your ass. To get your pair today, go to EsfecheJeans.com. That's A-S-S-F-A-C-E Jeans.com. That's A-S-S-F-A-C-E Jeans.com. And buy bread. Bread reminds you that it's the old friend that has been with you since the beginning. Delicious, fluffy, and fantastic on its own, or enjoy it with a dab of butter or jelly. It's also the time-tested vehicle for meat. Don't turn your back on bread. It's there, and it knows what you've been doing. Bread. Buy more of it. We are back and it's time for our first event of three. This first event is called Life Without It. And in Life Without It, Sarah and I both have to explain what the world would be like if our topic just never existed and try to make the case for why that makes our topic better than the other. Once again, Sarah, you'll be up first. All right. So Chapin, You good to go with this one? You ready to hear about the devastating effect that losing either of these things would have on the world? My mind is open. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) That's all we could ask for. (laughs) All right, Sarah, whenever you're, uh, whenever you're ready to go, let's hear about life without it. Well, you know, John Chapin, I don't know if I'll ever be ready to go with this one because I'm going to be taking you on a horrifying, tragic journey of life without movie trailers. So if we must, here we go. If we didn't have movie trailers, the obvious 
first problem. There'd be no way to know what's coming next as far as theatrical releases. There'd be no way to pre-screen things and try to decide what might be worth your time. You would be rudderless. You would be forced to judge a movie simply by the title alone. So think about this. Think about a movie like The Godfather, one of the greatest movies ever made. But if it was just called The Godfather and that's all you knew about it, you might think it was about, you know, your godfather, Chuck, who takes you out once a year for ice cream. Doesn't sound like a great time. You're going to miss the entire genius of that film because you don't have a trailer to judge it against. You don't have a trailer to excite you. How, how did you know my godfather's name is Chuck? That's whoa, that's way out of bounds. <laughs> way out of line. Right? I told us, I told never you, bring like, it in the family. <laughs> I told you not to bring that up on the show. <laughs> so sorry, so sorry. Redacted. Trailers are also time savers. You know, you don't have to do as much research, go through the dreck. You can just really find something that catches your eye right away, and that's fantastic. They're also, uh, honestly, an employment opportunity. It takes editors, engineers, marketers, sound mixers, all kinds of people to make a movie trailer. Like I said earlier, there's an entire award system around it. This is an industry on all on its own, and it's very important. So I don't want to see a higher unemployment rate. I don't want to see people who are good at their jobs not have anywhere to go. So that's just not an option. And finally, and this is probably the most obvious one I think anyone uh, with a brain would, would see, that trailers really symbolize hope for the future, oh, right? God. There's there's something to look forward to. And, and do you really want to take that away from people? If we couldn't say to each other, yeah, that movie looks good. Let's go see it. You might be preventing true love. You might be preventing first dates from ever happening if trailers didn't exist. And honestly, I don't want to live in a world where people can't awkwardly sit next to each other and try to decide if you're trying to hold their hand or if you're just reaching for the popcorn. It's a beautiful thing. And it's a rite of passage in high school. So I mean, if you're a, a loveless person who has no interest in knowing what the future holds for them, then I suppose life without trailers will work for you. But I'm just not one of those people. And Chapin, I don't feel like you are either. That's life without it. Chapin, your reaction? Yeah, outstanding treatment. Uh, yet again, Sarah, uh, if I might offer both some, I guess, laudative uh, observations and maybe one or two constructive points. Is that inbound? Absolutely. That's, that's what we're here for. Great. Well, certainly uh, coming up with the, the positives, the, the time savings, the employment opportunities that the production of trailers uh, means, the hope for the future. These are real things. And I'm, I'm like you, very glad that we don't have to do without those. Um, a, a couple of things, though, it seems like the number one benefit of movie trailers is the enablement of the tardy. Very fair point. Yes. And, and I think that's important to bring up. And as the judge, you know, you offer that insight. Uh, Thank you know, you. You're, you're bringing that to the table. And I think that's important because trailers are collaborative art and you're bringing some collaboration to this. Yeah. Come on, Sarah. No, I like it. I, I like where she's going with that. Um, feel free to do as much of that as you care to. Um, <laughs> and then lastly, you had a, a turn of phrase where you, you don't want to live in a a world uh, and you really miss the opportunity to do the guttural in a world in a right world. And mm -hmm. it really would have i think pushed it over the top but yeah really really uh we're looking at holes and donuts here it was a great treatment and frankly a, a world described that i too would not want to live within see i could tell that about you right off the bat you're a man of good taste and character and uh i think we're, we're really making some headway here this is good you're just relentless just relentless Competitive, John. Competitive. This is becoming an, uh, an every episode event, but I just want to extend my apologies on behalf of Sarah for her behavior. 
clearly you can see through it and, and clearly she's not going to stop. So just let that apology resonate for the rest of the show, please. Hashtag can't stop, won't stop. I don't even know what that means. Okay. <laughs> you actually don't. Though. I don't. I don't know what that means. I think that's like a, an, I think that's a hyperlink. Mm. Maybe it's a. It's a URL. That's a that's uniform a... resource locator. Uh, well, yeah, Sarah, that was, um, I, I mean, I guess as good as you could do. So good for you. Well, I, I'd love to know what you could do. Uh, do you feel like you are ready to uh, to make the case here? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the case to me is a slam dunk uh, of what the world would be like without sloths. Let me break it down for you, Chapin, into kind of three areas of impact. Linguistic, scientific, and cultural. First, the linguistic impact of losing sloths. We lose some of our best sayings, you know, like, you're as hot as a sloth, or why are you so slothy? What? Let's hang out like sloths. I'm ready to sloth it up. Who's slothing? All those just out the window. Secondly, the scientific impact, you know, any zoologist will tell you that if you lose a key member of any ecosystem and the whole thing falls apart, right? So that's obvious. Don't have to over explain that one. If you want ecosystems crashing down, especially in the rainforests of South and Central America, I guess that's okay with you, but not with me. I don't want to live in that world. Secondly, and a little lesser known, is the effect it would have on the average world speed. Now, you guys have heard about average world temperature, things like that, sea levels. Well, average world speed is much like a global warming metric. And basically, we'd increase this average, which is the average of um, anything that moves around, like animals, people, cars, drones, the wind, roller coasters. Sloths are in that mix, and they're holding down an important part of the continuum. If you remove them, the average world speed, or AWS, as scientists know it, would increase by 11%, and that would destabilize our orbit and send the Earth crashing into the moon. Science. Third, third, the cultural impact may be the most important loss we would suffer. We would lose something that represents our best qualities the soul of humanity. Sloths represent slowing down and enjoying life, where some, like, like Sarah, quite frankly, see slowing things down as a negative. We live in a fast-paced world probably too fast. We're not enjoying what's happening. We're not making the most of our relationships. Slow down, enjoy life. That's one of the main things a sloth stands for. What's the rush? Secondly, coexisting and working with others. A sloth is nothing if not a community member. Again, hosting these miniature ecosystems in their fur. When they travel to the bottom of the same tree that they live in for years and years, burying their poop at the bottom, they're fertilizing the tree. They're part of something every day. And then finally, of course, they're in great shape. They don't have very much body fat. Um, they're really, you know, keeping it together. Peloton, you know, so... Um, that's the last part of the cultural impact. Anyway, I rest my case. I don't want to be in a world with those kinds of linguistic, scientific, and cultural losses. Well, uh, you know, John, that was really, really interesting, uh, if a bit long-winded. And I would just, I would wonder if they're really being slow or just lazy. I feel like that's a very fine line, but I'd be curious to know what our judge Chapin thinks, because really, 
he's got the gavel. So let's, let's have him weigh in. I was really excited when John um, sort of told me what he was going to tell me in the beginning. That's always nice as you can sort of relax a little and, and not have to try to organize things yourself because you, you sort of have a framework that you can hang ideas on. And then right after that, it just sort of fell apart like a, uh, like a nitrogen frozen boot dropped on the cement or something. It was yeah, just all too. over the place. It was terrible. Well, I'm, I'm no. sorry. Do you need me to go through it again if you didn't catch it? No, please don't. Oh, oh no, please. Uh, please don't. Um, so <laughs> I, I do appreciate the linguistic uh, damage. Uh, I, I find myself using at least some of those um, ever. So that, that was good. The science impact was defended um, not terribly scientifically. So I, a little attention there, maybe it, it feels like science to you. So that's good. <laughs> the, the cultural impacts are debatable, but probably in a different forum. For me, the thing you left out, uh, if I might, are, are the myriad videos of baby sloths being bathed. Um, mm -hmm. Clearly the largest impact to humanity and non-humanity just terrestrial existence are the many, many really heart wrenching and lifting videos of baby sloths being bathed. And the fact that those were emitted from your world without us uh, really seems like a big mess. Mm. So I'll, I'll reserve the tally for the end, but I, I think you know where you stand, John. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, people probably aren't seeing those videos because they're busy watching movie trailers. Just a thought. Well, you did mention trailers are in third place on the old internet downloads. So who's to say sloths aren't first or second? Well, I'm sure they're slowly climbing the charts. Okay. It's interesting that you were able to follow the, the, the numeric canonization there, John, because that was the other critique I had. Your numbering system, if you'll replay it, so I'm sure you will many times in your basement, uh, <laughs> the, the, it's unbelievable. If there's absolutely no rationality to it whatsoever. There are four or five second points that, yeah, it's, it, it'll be interesting. To, it, graphics might help. Mm -hmm. uh, well, it is a podcast, so maybe a PowerPoint. No yeah. one could see my charts. Mm. Um, but yeah, good point, Chapin. I should use some graphics. That's a great, excellent point. I, I, I'm sad that on the one hand, um, I feel like I've, you know, the fix is already in No, and you guys are a gang and I'm over no. here defending no the goodness and light. We would never. On the one hand, I'm sad about that. On the other, I'm delighted that you helped make part of the case for me, which is the cuteness of sloths. I didn't, that's awesome. So in your judgment of which is better, sloths v. movie trailers, I, you just added some additional uh, ammo for Team Sloth. So mm -hmm. thanks for that. It's inadmissible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. I think we should move on because John's obviously getting pretty flustered. I know. I feel great. I feel nice and slow and steady and in harmony with the world. I feel right where I should be. So let's sloth it up. Let's go on to <laughs> event number two called On the Stand. Mm -hmm. And in On the Stand, this is a format where, uh, Chapin, you're sort of driving this in sort of a Q&A, much like mm -hmm. someone would in a court of law. Uh, for each of our topics, you'll have the opportunity to ask two questions that Sarah and I will be on the spot. We have to answer and sandwiched in between your two questions. Each of us will get a chance to cross examine the other as well. So you'll have two questions for Sarah. I'll have one. Then you'll have two questions for me and Sarah will have one. Sound okay. 
Sounds great. Okay. Let's do it. Chapin, whenever you're ready to um, hit Sarah with your dagger-like questions about movie trailers. Sarah, what would make movie trailers a good popped collar villain in a John Hughes film from the 80s? I'm really glad you asked that, Your Honor. Great question. That's a great question. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I think about a John Hughes villain, you're thinking of the guy with the the salmon-colored polo. Am I right? Popped no, collar. Yeah. Walking in. He's so cool. Mr. Cool guy. Uh, but turns out he actually doesn't have a lot of self-confidence, right? Turns out he's bullying people out of fear. So I would say movie trailers could be personified as this character if they are coming of age films as a John Hughes movie would be. Uh, you've also got room there for any sort of tween dramas. I think those would be excellent John Hughes villains. And then of course, I'd have to point you to uh, the John Hughes trailers themselves, right? The 16 Candles, The Breakfast Club, any of those beautiful films, they've got trailers all their own uh, with those people walking around pops. So yeah, I'd, I'd say you could go to the source material for that one. It wouldn't be wouldn't be too much of a stretch. Okay. All right, Sarah. John. <laughs> Newman. <laughs> How would you explain the disturbing trend in trailers in, oh, say the last 10 or 15 years for the trailer to provide the audience, not just with a, a, uh, a preview of what it might be like, but the whole plot by watching the trailer, it's like, I don't even need the movie now. You just gave me in two and a half minutes all the major plot points. That seems disturbing and like a cheat to me. We all know it's happening. So I'm not even asking you, is it happening? It is. Let's stipulate to that. I want you to explain why it's happening. Well, trailers, John, are really a reflection of our society and of our reality. And I think we can all agree that we are in the middle of an attention crisis where people cannot go more than 90 seconds without looking at their phone. Statistics are appalling about how you, you touch your phone or a device millions of times per day. Uh, people's attention span is just not that long. So I feel like trailers are really trying to capitalize on that by grabbing you for about 30 seconds. They know you're going to look away. You're not going to see the ending of the movie. They just want to get you right there. So if you're in the middle of a text when a preview starts, you look up for 15 or 20 seconds, you're getting a taste of that film. So I really feel like it's actually... It's those studios looking out for the little guy, right? They know you don't have a lot of time. You're here to see the feature film. You're not here for the trailer. So they want to make sure they're capturing you where you're at uh, and, and giving you that information in, in a small digestible package. So I actually think it's a beautiful thing. Deal with it. <laughs> Sorry. I was checking my text for a second there, but I, I do know <laughs> that um, I don't think you answered my question. I think you talked about some other stuff you wanted to say. You're a PR expert. So do go to what your training is. I get it, but I don't know. I mean, I think I'm dialed in. If there's a trailer on it, I would love to see it normally, but okay. Well, I well, suppose that's for our judge to decide. Yep. Well, well speaking of which, uh, after that embarrassing exchange, Chapin, you get the final question about movie trailers. And let me just say, I can't wait to have this question. Your honor, please proceed. Do movie trailers or do not movie trailers like cilantro? Oof. Hmm. There is a certain Yoda quality to that phrasing, by the way. <laughs> Don't try to butter me up now, John. It's a little late. <laughs> movie trailers are citizens of the world. Movie trailers are open to different culinary experiences. 
movie trailers have thoughts and opinions and feelings. They inspire folks to action, but they are every man. So I would say movie trailers do like cilantro. I'm going to go, I'm going to come down hard on do like cilantro. Movie trailers like cilantro. Do. I'm sure you answer that question directly. All right. Well, a direct question deserves a direct answer. And apparently a correct answer. Yes. Oh God. I knew it. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Suck it, John. <laughs> <laughs> That's Sarah classing up the joint again. <laughs> okay. Such a gamble. That was a great question. I'm sorry. I don't mean to get us off topic, but like that was a great question because people feel so strongly about cilantro. I love that. <laughs> well, it's my turn on the stand now. So excellent. Shape and fire away. John. If you were to have to rate on a scale of one to five or whatever scale is meaningful to you, how likely or unlikely a sloth would be to pick you up from the airport? What would you say about that? Nice. Very likely. I I hit on this earlier. They are all about community and being a part of what's happening and supporting others absolutely i think they would they would pick you up from the airport in a heartbeat now i'm not saying they're going to arrive in a heartbeat but Mm -hmm. they are all about it they are very willing uh definitely able um you might consider walking but they're on the way and um you can count on them that that things are in motion heading towards the airport and you might want to grab a a snack from the food court and sit on your luggage for a minute. But absolutely, yes, a sloth on a scale of one to five, they're a seven in terms of willingness to be there. So that's my answer. So not only can sloths not count, but they're also going to be late picking you up. That sounds great. The the numeric challenges appear to be a theme in this evening's <laughs> episode. I was trying to express my enthusiasm for the uh, willingness. So fine, I'll constrain it to five. On a scale of one to five, it's a five. I thought you guys could appreciate. You know, it's like giving 110%. I guess that doesn't make sense to you either. So equally jarring. Equally yeah, jarring. I agreed. Agreed. I, I apologize. Agreed. I won't uh, throw anything like that at you guys anymore. I'll stick to the limits of uh, your understanding. So easy enough. All right, Sarah, w- what's what's your question? Well, as much fun as it is to listen to you berate our esteemed judge, I do have a question for you. <laughs> I just, I think it's a bit rude, you know, guest in our house. I think of it as tough love, far preferred to the, um, the buttering up, the shameless ingratiating that might be happening otherwise. So yeah, that's fine. You can, you can dislike it all you want. Sure. That makes sense. Cause no one likes butter. Okay. Uh, in 2012, Monique Poole who is considered the go-to sloth keeper in South America. If you've got a sloth that you need housed, she's your woman. She experienced what she called a slothified state, or I'm going to call it slothageddon, when 200 displaced three-toed sloths came to her home. She was forced to take them in because of deforestation. Terrible thing. The sloths were hanging from the windows, from the rafters, from the shelves. They were everywhere. Many of the sloths were in heat and made noises that disturbed the neighbors. Feeding them became costly and suffocating. Uh, So my question to you is, how do you defend an animal that will quite literally eat you out of house and home if you show it even the slightest bit of kindness? Well, I don't hold that against the sloths. Oh? Uh, they, They were displaced 
forced by people to be in this poor woman's home and they're just living their sloth life. They don't want to be chilling out on the couch. They don't want to be hanging from the shower curtain rod. They don't want that. We put them in there. So I don't hold it against them at all. I got to say, though, I am way up for hearing a recording of 200 sloths in heat and seeing if that drives me out of the room. I, I, I just want that experience. But um, I don't hold it against them at all. So I, I don't think there's a need to defend them. Not their fault. It'd be like defending, you know, in dogs because some of them end up in shelters. But if you're heartless, I guess you'd ask a question like that. Anyway, Chapin, what's question number two for you, my man? Is it positive or negative by your lights to be trapped in an elevator with a sloth? <laughs> I think it's positive. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Because if you're going to be trapped in an elevator... You want someone who is the right balance of keeping you company. I feel like I'm not alone in this thing, but they're not annoying. They're not, not talking your ear off. They're not freaking out. They're not, you know, complaining about being hungry or tired or thirsty, or they have to, they have to go to the bathroom. No complaints. They could probably hang in that elevator uh, with you as long as you need them to. And they're not the best conversationalists. But it's way better than the alternative, which would be most people you'd be trapped in an elevator with. So I think it's very positive. If I had to choose one mammal to be trapped in an elevator with, I'm, I'm going to go sloth. As a follow-up, if you were to be trapped in an elevator, would you elect to be trapped with or without a sloth? With. Okay. I like the company. I mean, you know. Okay. It will get a little lonely in there. And, you know, I, the, the need for a little bit of interaction. Okay. I've heard enough. Okay. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, I, I was going to ask our esteemed judge uh, to give us a little update on how he's feeling here, but uh, that seemed pretty clear to me. <laughs> I, I don't want to, I don't want to uh, give too much away. Uh, not unlike a movie trailer might, if it's sort of uh, on the more revealing uh, side of that continuum. It was a little more lopsided, I think, before your um, Ciceronic question about the pile of slaws. I, I was glad there was a question in there, frankly. You know, uh, you have to you have to dig through the muck. You have to do a little work sometimes to get to the heart of the matter. And I think the heart of the matter is slaws are disgusting. Well, you got the memo for showing your work. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm still stuck on Ciceronic. Uh, that's something I'm looking up right after this because I don't. Like Sisyphus, don't worry. Not Sisyphus, uh, Cicero, the, the order. Excuse um, me. It's, it's okay. Good try, Sarah. I tried. Good I tried. try. I'm an idiot. You, you know we're recording me. this, right? You know this is being recorded, all the stuff you say. Oh, shit, what? No. <laughs> uh, you didn't say that earlier when you asked me about this. <laughs> How long have we been recording this? <laughs> oh, no, no, we're not. No, this, is all, this is all a dry run. We're not really doing this. Okay, uh, last event in the ridiculous triathlon that is our show is called Tattoo Parlor. Mm -hmm. And Tattoo Parlor is straightforward. It's a game where we need to explain what kind of tattoo or tattoos our topic would get if they were in a position to do so. What would they want? representative of um, their perspective, their position in the world, whatever. What kind of tat are they getting emblazoned on their body, virtual body, real body? That's the game. 
if you're cool with that, Chapin, makes sense as a setup? Oh, it's wonderful. All right. So first, coming out of the tattoo parlor, right beneath the glowing neon sign, freshly inked up, movie trailers. Tell us about it, Sarah. If movie trailers were walking out of the tattoo parlor, you might see many different things. You might see an action trailer coming out with maybe like a motorcycle or maybe some sort of superhero insignia, something like that. You might see a rom-com come out with a romantic quote, maybe some flowers, some, some beautiful imagery. And, you know, a horror film might come out with some sort of homage to classic horror films, like maybe a bust of Boris Karloff or a hipster Twilight Zone tattoo, something really cool like that. But I didn't want to break down trailers that way. I wanted to find a cohesive way to figure out what tattoo a movie trailer would be getting. So I thought, all right, a movie trailer as a person is going to have action, adventure, and excitement, romance. They're going to be thrilling. They're going to be titillating. They're going to inspire action and emotion and draw you in. They're going to be an encouraging type of person, a kind person. And while they don't distract from the main event, they enhance it and they give you something else to think about. And that's what I want this tattoo to really represent. So without further ado, if movie trailers were walking out of a tattoo parlor on their lower back as an homage to trailers being behind the movie in the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. It would say, you ain't seen nothing yet movie trailer tattoo wow did not see that coming good good <laughs> yeah that's really like a Shyamalan kind of twist there i i had Thank no you. idea yeah tip of the cap sarah that was oh, a good one was that okay i've been oh. i've been very worried about this <laughs> no that one works that's a good one okay. i mean i just gotta you know hats off i liked mm -hmm. it you described the body placement you had a reason for that thank you i'm sorry i should shut up because i don't want you to win Chapin, any other thoughts on that tattoo entry? Uh, no, that's outstanding. Again, the surprise is worth everything. I, in my mind, I, I was, I, I thought you were going to go to more of a, you know, the, the dramedy, um, the drama and tragedy mask being dragged mm -hmm. by a pit bull over to a wizard kind of a tattoo. But uh, <laughs> Well, that's the one I have. I see you've seen mine. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's it's right there below the barbed wire tat around her um, upper arm. Yeah, yeah. It says, I love mom and my eyelids, you know. <laughs> yep. Yeah, great, 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 uh, great surprise. Well, thank you so much, Your Honor. Uh, John, I'm, I'm very curious what, what you're going to have. I don't believe a sloth could get a tattoo, right? They're so hairy. Would you be able to see it? Yeah, I mean, here, here's where I am with sloths in a tattoo parlor. They're sort of perfectly suited for it, except for the hair part. And that's just a razor away from getting solved. So there's going to be a little bit of shaving, you know, but otherwise they're going to be an awesome addition to the tattoo parlor. They're very good at holding still for hours. As we know, they're pretty decisive. So they're not going to be, you know, I wanted that. Now I wanted this. No, they're going to go in there with their mindset and what they want. So the prototypical sort of sloth tattoo adventure, and there are, just countless examples because so many of them have done hard time and you know what that's like. So there are a lot of hard, hard sloths are coming out with all kinds of symbology that would make you, you know, snatch your kid up as you walk down the sidewalk and maybe go to the other side of the street when you see that sloth coming. But I'm not talking about that. Your prototypical sloth, I think he goes in there and he's, he's, he's got a couple ideas at first and those ideas might be something like hang 10, you know, for the two-toed sloth, 
this is math. Sorry, I know this is a problem spot, but you know that numbers. works for the number of t total number of toes. Or hang twelve for the three-toed variety. Maybe they got that, but he's not doing that. He just thought about it. There might be just a straight up like um, kiss my ass with a picture of a donkey, and that could be you know on the bicep of of the sloth because they got they got some guns. I mean they're gonna want to you know then they let her rip with the with the pose and that the ass part gets real big. Anyway, but no, they're not doing that. A two-toed sloth, maybe across their digits, maybe something like ACDC, you know? <laughs> These are all under consideration. But ultimately, I think what the sloth chooses to get, and is probably going to get this across the forehead, so it's front and center, is just going to say, a deadly sin for, number four, life. A deadly sin oh. for life. If you know your... Um, your seven deadly sins, you feel where I'm coming from. This is this expresses the sloth's need to sort of uh, let folks know he knows what's up. And in spite of who he really is, he wants people to be a little bit scared. So maybe they'll let him stay in the jungle, leave him alone for a minute. That's what he's getting in there. A deadly sin for life. Love it. Thank you. Really? I worked yeah, really, I love it. I worked really hard on it. <laughs> I don't know if I tell people that. <laughs> yeah. You know, Sarah, I work really hard on everything. It's almost unimprovable. I'm thinking uh, instead of the forehead, maybe we've got the gothic letters on the belly. But I mean, either I don't, <laughs> I don't care where you put it. It, it. it says a lot, really. I thought you were going to go with an ironic racing stripe or something like that. But nice. I love the. I like what you're doing. See, lots of good ones for the sloth. They really lend themselves to tattoos. And uh, I like that. I like the racing stripe. Stay off my ass, something like that. Back What's off. What's the hurry? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. God. Back off with the Yosemite Sam with the guns. You know they got I like that. that. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. could be a good one. But yeah, I, think I do. I like go. Chapin's idea of having the the belly tattoo. I can picture that. You know, like a sloth belly button and the, <laughs> the words around it and everything. That's great. Like I told you, relentless. Yet more of this, man. Man. Well, hopefully Chapin can see through it all. We're getting close to that time. Uh, I'm wondering if we should give our judge time to deliberate. We've given him, we've served up some tasty dishes today. We've done the the recaps. We've done three mini games. And, you know, this man is a hard worker. Maybe we need a, a little bit of a commercial break to give him some time to deliberate. Would, would that be all right, Your Honor? Oh, I'd appreciate it. Now let's take a break to hear from one of our sponsors. thanks to our newest sponsor, Catbox. We're all familiar with those monthly box services, right? Well, they're great for getting random candles, clothing, collectibles, and even snack foods. What none of them offer is warm living companionship, the kind that moves right in with you and becomes part of the family while helping to make the world a better place. That's where Catbox comes in. Each month, you get a carefully packaged cat that's ready to consume all your love and generosity. Catbox hand-selects feral cats from at-risk local cat communities and ships them directly to you. Each cat arrives in a colorful, ventilated box that includes a vaccination kit, handling gloves, and a re-gifting kit if you want to pass along the love to someone else in your life. So, bring the joy of a new friend and the excitement that only an undomesticated cat can offer into your home every month with Catbox.
All right, Chapin, you have had seconds to deliberate, uh, which I'm mm-hmm. sure this is going to be a, a simple decision. It seems pretty clear to me who the winner is. Uh, it doesn't need a lot of deliberation, but I appreciate that you've taken this seriously. You, you've taken some time to really digest this and marinate on it. And, and we just need to know, the world needs to know. Judge Chapin, are you ready to deliver your verdict? I am. Excellent. Well, sir, the floor is yours. Who's the winner? Well, I think we're all winners. Um, but in this particular comparison, I'd say I have to go with sloths. Yes. Why? Why? I'm not sure I'm uh, compelled to offer my uh, deliberation, but I will if, uh, <laughs> if required. Please explain. We'd love to hear why. You I'd love that, to hear why. <laughs> that fine selection. The defense and the advocacy of movie trailers was uh, it was well researched. It was well organized. It did not suffer from mathematical distraction. <laughs> it was compelling. Again, I think like most of the people listening to this particular podcast, I'm now more even than I was before drawn to movie trailers, their value to society. Um, we're all fortunate that in 1913 they were invented Mm -hmm. and um, reached their uh, artistic culmination with Keanu Reeves appearing perennially as the Mm -hmm. uh, award predicting ingredient. So I'm all in on, on trailers. We're the competition between almost anything else in the universe. I would say that this particular episode would have featured Uh, movie trailers as the victorious object (laughs) but sloths despite the (laughs) ham-handed meandering Mm -hmm. um, lazy at times um, hackneyed at others advocacy they're awesome (laughs) they serve even fewer of the purposes in reality than John tried to argue scientifically, ecologically, and culturally, except for in that one phenomenon. That's why they're awesome. They're here. They probably shouldn't be. They are awesome and they swim really weird. And I just love that about them. Well, as much as I disagree with this judgment, you do have a fair point about the swimming. They they do swim weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I am so proud uh, to accept your selection, Chapin, and that you enjoyed it so much and that you enjoyed hearing my arguments for sloth, uh, sloth kind mm. so much. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Well judged. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm glad that we got past all of Sarah's needless kowtowing and mm-hmm. and got to the heart of the matter, which is that uh, I'm good and she's bad. My topic's better. Hers is worse. I'm glad we got wow. right there. So thank you. Really great job. Great job. Yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled. So I'm high-fiving everybody I see for the next week in celebration of my well-deserved, well-presented, well-earned victory. Well, you know, even a broken clock's right twice a day, right, John? So nice. Yeah, I, again, not good with the math, so I don't know what that means exactly, but uh, I just heard you say that I'm right uh, at least twice a day, and I'll, I'll take that. That's twice more than, than most people tell me. So, Chapin, great job again. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Oh, it, it was my pleasure. Is the, 
is it Venmo? Is that where the payment shows up? Or <laughs> yeah, we'll be cutting you a, a paper check. Actually, you'll get that in the the sloth mail in ten to twelve business days. Will that be a regular letter size or novelty size uh, <laughs> check? It's it's a it's a novelty size check, but in the opposite direction. It's very tiny. Oh yeah, because of the new times, we're trying to conserve mm-hmm. paper and uh, wood resources, so it's extremely small. But that's a laugh. So you can when you take a picture. We'll, we'll get a photographer to go over. You'll hold that up. Okay. And I hope you have a really powerful Zoom on your mobile banking app because you're going to need it. Okay. Um, <laughs> and, and does this, I, I don't remember this from the... Contract you signed? Yeah. I, <laughs> does this preclude my participation in future um, games of chance, game shows, other uh, sweepstakes, et cetera. It does do that. And you're also not allowed to play in any major league baseball games for six years from today. Mm, So I don't know if that's going to affect your, your working life, but yeah, we had to strike a deal with publishers clearing house. So I'm sorry. Those are the breaks that was in the fine print of your uh, guest Mm -hmm. judge agreement. So sorry, but thank you. Seems well worth it to me for what it's worth. (laughs) Awesome. Well, it was well worth it having you on today. And Sarah, well played. Well played, sir. I'm sorry that you lost, but but only just a little bit. <laughs> Most of me is very happy that you lost, but there's a little little tiny uh, microscopic part that is uh, a little sad. That's right. So. I'm going to make a movie trailer for my revenge in the next episode. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> again, thanks, Chapin, for being here. We'd love to have you back again. Be my pleasure. Thank you. That'd be fun. Wanted to say thanks to our friend Hilberto for our show logo. Hilberto and his team at Mundo Studio uh, is a company that provides creative direction and branding for digital products. Thanks to the internet for all the research help. And uh, if you're so inclined, if you liked any part of the things that I said, which is very unlikely, there is another uh, podcast project uh, that I had the pleasure of working on called The Uptake that's available on uh, the various services that provide podcasts feel free to check that out if you want sarah thanks again for doing this i look forward to doing battle with you in our next episode may the best man win (laughs) we'll catch you next time thanks for listening to no comparison stay tuned for outtakes from today's episode no comparison is produced by john taylor and sarah baggett and our music is by kevin mcleod you can reach us at nocomparisonpodcast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook. I got sloths and Sarah got movie trailers. It's a nightmare. <laughs> Come on. That's pretty good. It's weird how you always get the sort of straightforward concrete thing. Are you talking to me? Of course. Oh, it is. <laughs> you can ask Sarah. It's completely random. It is it's... completely random. Sometimes we're not totally sure how to use the spreadsheet. So that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but either way, I, I can't use it very well. So I'm definitely not manipulating it. And it's, you know, it. we do it collaboratively. <laughs> so she's a witness. She sees what happens. I thought for a second you were going to say she's a witch. Oh. <laughs> I was like, don't you dare. <laughs> You're a Google Sheets witch. She's a witch. <laughs> it's a very specific Halloween costume, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I think there'd be a lot of explaining. <laughs> what are you? What is that? I'm a Google <laughs> Sheets witch. Get comfortable. <laughs>
Okay. Now under commercials. Sorry. Sorry. We'll be done about midnight. Sorry, everybody. (laughs) None of this will make it in the bloopers, I promise. (laughs) What the hell are we doing? (laughs) Why are we doing this? I don't know. (laughs) What a crazy world. It's so ridiculous. (laughs) This is going to go on the internet. Are you high? Anybody, <laughs> anybody can hear it. Like people all over the world can hear this ridiculous. Anyway, this is a this is a testament to available calories. It is. <laughs> God, that's a great first world <laughs> subtitle for the podcast. Thank you, Chapin. That's an awesome. You're welcome. One. The testament to available calories. <laughs> uh, yeah. Shel- shelter not an issue for these two. <laughs> that's right we're way way down yeah thank you you beat me to the damn maslow's hierarchy joke damn it i'm very smart damn it all right maybe that'll come up in the old random generator come on it is random i promise Mm -hmm. yeah we should have every guest submit a topic for the random generator oh yeah i like like it submit as many as he wants we'll put them in there but but yeah like have them give us one every time that would be great Uh uh-huh Write that down. <laughs> I'm writing it. it down. That's right then. That was the sound of someone lying. Good job, Chapin. How you feeling? Doing great. You're doing great. You've gone into darkness now, though. I feel like it's that scene in... Um, I like it. Yeah. Uh, Blair Witch, when the, the, the woman's in the tent, you know, with the flashlight. Mm-hmm. She's crying. Oh, uh, no. We don't, we don't admit we've seen that movie to other people, John. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. I know I promised not to say anything about it. Oh, no. No, no. no. Every now and again, he tries to pretend that he's cool, and it's like, oh, then you say stuff like that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wow, Sarah, I thought we were friends. Ah, come on. It's just so, (laughs) so hurtful. (laughs) Don't turn your back on bread. It's there, and it knows what you've been doing. Bread. Buy more of it. If I buy any more bread, I'm not going to be able to fit in my (laughs) espejes. They're at odds. I got to do one thing in here. There was a little weirdness at the end there. Hold on. That's you mean when you hit puberty? Yeah, <laughs> right. we, both, we both went for it. <laughs> Luckily, because of uh, Zoom's uh, noise cancellation, none of that's going to come out. We won't be able to hear any of what See, like, you... Both of us just went for the kill, right? <laughs> of what you, what you two jackals just said. I'm just trying to move the piece around the board and you two... <laughs> that's fine. That was great. Bread. Buy more of it. There, I can do it. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's time to sell that fair faucet poster now. <laughs> Never time. Do you have a fair faucet poster? <sighs> Why would I not? Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. I'm fair a, faucet poster. Right. <laughs> the I'm wallpaper a, behind I'm a, I'm a child of the 80s. Why would I not? <laughs> I should say my formative years. Uh, you know what I'm saying. We're not going to yeah, get into how- that anymore. We're going to stop talking about that. That's probably <laughs> something we should stop not, talking not, about. <laughs> it's not terribly evergreen, is it, John? No, it's not. <laughs> it's ever something else. Okay. Well, let's uh, take a chance. Oh, sorry. Let's take a chance. That's not what you say. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> let's take a chance. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I promised I wouldn't do it.
When I saw on the spreadsheet today where you have the word cat box for commercial break, I just immediately started laughing. I was like, oh God, what has he done? What Somebody's got to be in sales. Somebody's got to get these people on cat board. Box. I can't you, wait to hear what this is. I, so, I cannot wait to hear what this is. You're, you know, you, you let's set the bar a little lower. We're trying to get money into this thing. I feel like we are already lowest common denominator. I don't think the bar goes lower. That's fine. If you want to belittle our sponsors. All right. Your call, I guess. We'll have to edit all this out. (laughs) Thanks a lot, Sarah. Waste all this tape. That's where Catbox comes in. Each month, you get a carefully packaged cat. (laughs) (laughs) That's so stupid. (laughs) Catbox is exactly like it sounds. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. (laughs) It's <laughs> the best product names of all, right? Oh, it's so vulgar. I love it. <laughs> Hold on. Okay, this is happening. This one's going to be straight through. Catbox. Mm-hmm. Stop it. Mm-mm. You're not helping. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> this is going to be a problem. That's where Catbox comes in. Each month, you get a... God dang it. Sorry. That's so... I can't say it. I don't know why. It's just so stupid. It's not even that funny. I can't. Can you not do it? I'm going to give it one more try. That's where Catbox comes in. Each month, you get a... (laughs) I can't do it. so stupid. (laughs) In the excitement that only an undomesticated cat can offer into your home every month with Catbox. <laughs> I'm, I'm like crying. Okay. <laughs> it's feral cats. <laughs> feral cats. I love the vaccination kit. I, I was alarmed until I learned I was also going to get the gloves. The gloves, yeah. for that and the re-gifting. They thought, mm-hmm. the, the folks at Catbox thought of everything. Oh, man. Um, I, we good. just don't take anybody's money around here. We try to work with um, folks that are trying to help the world. And, uh, Catbox is clearly... snapping up feral cats like with a bot, like you're just chasing mm-hmm. them. 